Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad you're here. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in every human being. And so it is in a spirit of that heritage that I say, let us greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you please say together with me the words by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. The call to worship is from the back of the hymnal. It is number 646. You would uh, turn to that passage. You have a part to play. 646, the larger circle. We clasp the hands of those that go before us. Hands of those we enter the little circle of each other's arms. In the larger circle of others, hands are the hands. And the larger circle of all creatures. To a music so subtle and vast that no one hears it except Sometimes we wonder what we're doing here. Sometimes we wonder what we're doing when we have our roots in so many different faith traditions. Some of us are Zen Presbyterians, and some of us are country Hindus, and some of us are humanist questioners. And some of us are all of those things, and we all call ourselves Unitarian Universalists. And if anyone asks you, what are you doing there? You can say, well, every Sunday we say our mission. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Today's reading is from Adrian Rich. My heart is moved by all I cannot save. So much has been destroyed. I have to cast my lot with those who, age after age, perseverely, with no extraordinary power, reconstitute the world. Let us continue our meditation with the Buddhist metta meditation or loving kindness prayer. We say this through three times, and the first time we say this for ourselves. I'll I'll say a line, and you repeat it after me, should you choose to. This is for ourselves. May I be free from danger. May I be mentally happy. May I be physically happy. May I have ease of well-being. The second time you hold someone you love in your mind and we say it for them. May you be free from danger. 
May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. Now the third time, as a spiritual challenge, we say this for somebody against whom we have a resentment. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. This morning's worship service is a little bit unusual. It's a combination sermon, presentation, choir piece. The music is all written by our own Kaya Hartwood. Will you raise your hand and wave? She's shy. The words are written by Kaya Hartwood and me. The presentation, you know, anytime that a person of European origin talks about race, it's kind of awkward and embarrassing. And um, yet, I, it makes me mad to feel I'm banned from talking about something. So I'm going to speak about it in as awkward and embarrassing way as I speak about it. And so um, here we go. What I'm trying to do is start a conversation about the human family. Kaya and I went to an exhibit at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia entitled Race. And as part of the exhibit, they had photographs of human faces. And on top of the photograph was laid a mat board with a little square cut out. And so all you could see was the color of the person's skin. And your task was to, to try to guess what um, place in the globe this person with this particular square of color on their skin um, came from. And the colors were all beautiful kind of uh, cream-colored chocolate, milk chocolate, bittersweet chocolate, cinnamon, beautiful um, colors. We describe the colors of skin sometimes by talking about food and coffee and things to drink. Um, I like that way of doing it. And um, when you lifted the mat board and saw where the person was from, you were almost always surprised because the creamiest, most ivory, almost bluish skin was uh, a Japanese person. And the cinnamon skin was a, a, a Native American person, the... the uh, chocolate, deepest chocolate color was a person from India. Um, we come in all shades, and you can't really tell um, by the color of skin where somebody comes from, obviously. Science is discovering that race is a powerful social construct. Your quote unquote race, the race you identify as, and the race people perceive you as being, has a a tremendous effect on your life. So we try not to say stupid stuff like, oh, I don't even see color. It doesn't matter to me. Well, you know, it matters to the person whose color it is. And um, so it, it matters and it shapes a person's life. And yet science is also discovering 
that our DNA tells a different story. And the mitochondrial DNA is passed from mother to daughter to daughter to daughter without recombination. And so you can look at the mitochondrial DNA of a person and you can see that this is also the mitochondrial DNA of her mother and her mother and her mother. And so um, the mitochondrial DNA is traced back to a kind of a hypothetical African woman from a valley in sub-Saharan Africa called mitochondrial Eve, who is the mother of every single human person. So mitochondrial Eve, we assume, had dark-colored skin because the African sun is strong and a human person would um, evolve to, yes, in this church we believe in evolution. (laughs) Just in case that was a surprise to you. Um, (laughs) Would evolve to be strong skin under, under a hot sun. There's a book called The Seven Daughters of Eve by a man named Brian Sykes, who who talks about the seven clan mothers of the Western European people. That's where he narrowed his study to. So you understand by reading this science that race is not really a scientific construct as much as it is a social one. Still, it affects us tremendously, yet it is not really a scientific category quote-unquote, that you can put somebody in. And what science tells us is, and what experience tells us, is that we can go back for five generations even in our families and be surprised at the number of colors of skin that we have in our family. But if you talk about um, all of your people and uh, which mother you came from, apparently there are only about 29 mothers for the whole of the human race. So... We could all maybe get t-shirts about which mother we came from. And I'd be like, I'm from mother 13 and you're from mother 25 and um, 13 rules and 25 drools. (laughs) That's human nature. And we could have, you know, family reunions of all mother 13's kids come this way and all mother 25's kids, we're going to have a big picnic. You have to have a really big picnic round. So, Edwin Wilson says, the more that we realize that we're all related, the more that we realize our common origins, the more that we imagine in our mind our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother, the more we realize that we have a common origin and a shared future. In the earliest beginning, our mother sang love and life to her children and to the earth. And her children praised her.
their children were many, and many stayed in the valley where they were born. Some traveled because of hunger and drought, some because of war. Some traveled because of a restless desire to explore. They found a way across oceans and deserts, through mountain passes and plains, on their way to a home that could sustain them. One thing will I tell which led to my traveling. Two things will I tell you as the Spirit gives me words to speak. The rains did not fall, neither did the floods come to green the land. The earth was cracked and dry, and we moved on. We had to walk for three days to find a slow-giving stream to moisten our lips, and we moved on. We had to walk for three moons to find a land where the berries grew fat, where the animals could again give us their bodies for food. We danced in thanks to the Spirit for finding us again. It was in this way that we moved on. One thing will I tell which led to my traveling. Two things will I tell you as the Spirit gives me words to speak. My father would laugh at all my questions and kiss me on the top of my head. I would climb the tallest trees to see as far as I could. What was behind the sleeping woman hills? Who lived on the other side of the shining river? When I was grown, my mate and I, he was strong and as curious as a child. My mate and I wanted to see the hills beyond Sleeping Woman and the ones beyond that, and we moved on. We found joys, we found hardships, we had a child and then another. Our feet sought the path toward the unknown places, and we moved on. We were strong, the children grew, we saw marvels and we saw sorrows. Always we wanted to see what was beyond the next hill. It was in this way that we moved on.
One thing will I tell which led to my traveling. Two things will I tell you as the Spirit gives me words to speak. We saw the grasses move as they came into our valley. We could hear their shouted laughter. Preparations were made to receive guests. The dancers put on their streaks of black earth and their swaying cloaks of long-toothed grass. They came upon us in their might, screaming in words we could not understand. They took all we had. My brave brother was lost, but the rest of us ran into the night, and we moved on. We walked for days, cradling the babies, until the memory of that place was just a sad sweetness. We found our own food and made our own garments and did not learn to take what belonged to others, and we moved on. Some grew weak and needed care. Some stayed behind as they grew weary of travel. My family and I traveled until we heard the voice of the Spirit say, Enough, at the foot of a large mountain. It was in this way that we moved on. This clay jug that is my body is made of a beautiful color. Inside me are rivers and stars. Inside me are dreams and fears. Inside me are generations. My skin garment reflects the lands my family has traveled, and my time in the cold realms or under the strong sun. We can look at any human and think, my family. The Native Americans would extend that to every animal, plant, and tree. My family.
I would like to say thank you to the women who represented our mothers this morning. Sean Sigers, Wendy Quo, Marisol Caballero, and Becky Harding. I would like to thank Kaya Hartwood for sharing her music with us, and I would like to thank the choir for doing, oh, half of them are gone, to make the, <laughs> for offering their talents this morning, too. And now will you please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.